Switching mediation providers might seem like a pain in the ass, but it doesn't have to be. If you're thinking of making the transition from Mopub to IronSource, we've got you covered. First, we've created a dedicated tool that removes the manual work when migrating to IronSource mediation. Second, we'll be holding workshops with IronSource experts where you can have all your migration needs taken care of. And if you want to do it yourself, we also have technical documentation for migrating to IronSource mediation in our Knowledge Center. To learn more about these initiatives and begin monetizing with IronSource today, head to www.is.com forward slash migrate. That's www.is.com forward slash migrate. It's easy to make good choices when you have good insights, right? Well, AppSlyer's open platform provides the measurement, analytics, engagement, and fraud protection technologies you need to get the answers to all of your questions and make good choices for your business and customers. Is customer privacy important for you? Good. With AppSlyer, you can accurately measure your marketing while protecting customer privacy. Bringing in new customers is great. Getting accurate insights while protecting your customers' privacy is even better. AppSlyer's privacy-preserving measurement and cost aggregation technologies give you insights you can count on across channels, platforms, and devices. And here's something we all agree on. When it comes to the marketing, you should only pay for what works. AppSlyer's incremental lift testing makes it easy to make good choices for your marketing budget through accurate, unbiased insights into the true value of your marketing outcomes. Are you ready to start making good choices? Great. Go to AppSlyer.com and get yourself an attribution partner you deserve. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> welcome everybody to the Deconstructor Fun Podcast. I'm your host, Mishka Katkoff, and today I have a fantastic guest, Joshua Wilson, one of the first employees of SciPlay, and a couple of years ago, you actually became the CEO of SciPlay, a publicly traded company. Joshua, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm very excited. So, let me, let me try to <laughs> deliver on that. So, just for the folks who are unfamiliar with mobile casino games, of course, we have a lot of listeners who are very familiar, but not everybody in the mobile gaming space is familiar with the social casino, kind of shy upon it. But anyway, it's an over 5 billion market. Most of the revenue is coming from American players. The players are a bit more mature than in other genres, and it's quite typical for the player to play several casino games at the same time, kind of like in a real casino. When the game goes cold, you switch to a hot one. Uh, in terms of revenue, SciPlay is twice as big as Huge and third of the size of Playtica. So that's how people can kind of put it into a perspective. Top games, Jackpot Party, 50% of the revenue. Goldfish Casino, about 15 And Quick Hit, quick hit Slots, another 15%. And then there's a big portfolio of all kinds of other games. Josh, did I get it right? Yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty much, uh, pretty much dead on. I do think the market's closer billion now. Yeah. So was it in that. net revenue or or uh, or gross revenue? Gross, gross revenue. I was talking about net. Oh, yeah. So, so we are both correct. Uh, all right. First things first. You're based out of Austin. Now, can you tell everybody how amazing Austin, Texas is? Austin is a city that, until you've been here, it's it's so hard to explain. <laughs> um, so I'll start with, I, I come from Iowa originally. Mm -hmm. So coming to Austin was kind of a shock because it's so diverse. Like 
they have ethnic all over, uh, sexual gender all over. Mm -hmm. Like it is. And so for me, it was like, wow, this is like, this is great. <laughs> like you never know who you're going to talk to and you just strike up so many amazing conversations every weekend, every, actually every day, there's a band playing somewhere. So if mm -hmm. you want to go listen to live music, go, uh, I'm a golfer and the golf courses here are crazy good. And then like everyone else, I, you know, I did the, the Austin 20 because the food here is so amazing. <laughs> like, like it's just, it's everything just tastes so good. You can't just eat a bite of it. Yeah. Like you just keep going, going. Um, I'm loving it. Mm -hmm. And by the way, no winner other than <laughs> funny yeah. enough, I have saw, I've been part of. And they were pretty brutal. I have some friends were, in Austin that, uh, that, you know, the snowstorms were no joke. No, like it was, uh, once again, from Iowa, yeah. for me, they weren't so bad. Um, I think a lot of people realized overnight that really big real wheel drive trucks do not go well in snow. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> but a... it, I, I, I really cannot say enough good things about Austin. Um, and really, it's the people. Uh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. You shouldn't be telling too many good things about Austin so that no more people move in because that's the bad thing about Austin is that there are too many people moving in. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Very true. Uh, and you you definitely see it in how it grows this way fast. Yeah, with the lake. It's it's a nice place. There's lakes. There's you know the food is great. Not only the barbecues but everything else. But um, but we're not here to talk about Austin. And, uh, by the way. We're here to talk about Social Casino, and as we're jumping into Social Casino, I wanted to ask you about another location that I'm always wondering with Social Casino, and that is Israel. Why does it every Social Casino comp company has a studio in Israel, given the fact that Israel ain't Vegas, because you can't even have a casino in the whole country? <laughs> what, what, what's, the, uh, what's the secret sauce with, uh, with the casino companies, Social Casino companies in Israel? No, it's, it's a great question. And I wonder over time if, if it wouldn't have evolved and people wouldn't answer it differently. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm a huge uh, Tel Aviv fan. Right. Um, you know, up until COVID, I was probably living about half of the year. Oh, nice. um, so I spend a fair amount of time there. Um, but I think something that sets Israel apart, which is why you see so much social casino and social casino. We get so much access to the player and the player wants to play such long sessions. Mm -hmm. um, because of that, there's such a focus on live ops and there's such a focus on uh, monetization and the culture in Israel has developed that muscle probably better than anywhere else in the world. Um, also, you look at their marketing capabilities. Yeah. Um, they're basically the trendsetter to the world. And so what ends up happening is companies go there. The ones that don't have slot knowledge, their slots are normally being built in the US, mm -hmm. uh, 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 upper uh, Ukraine, Europe, Ukraine Australia. Yeah. But they're, they, they know how to build slots. So what they figured out is, since the slot, which is just a simple core loop that goes over and over and over again, they don't need to build them. They just need to find someone that can. That takes care of the player in there, and they do everything around that very well. And so I think that's why people go there more often is because, you know, you have Playtika there, Moon Active there. Uh, Huge now has an office there. Play Studios has. We have a large office yeah. there. And so that knowledge is just 
throughout, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, I just had to ask because it's such an it's such a weird thing. Like I've naturally spent time in, in Israel as well, but just knowing that there's no casinos and they're best at casinos is like, what's going on? Like you would assume that Macau and Vegas would be the best places because they're kind of leave, living and breathing slots and, and poker and blackjack. And it's even funnier yet when you go to a casino with yeah. an Israeli. And <laughs> <laughs> but once again, it's, you know, it's not just about that. It's about the entertainment time yeah. that you give them outside of that. And yeah, yeah. That muscle they've developed very well. Yeah, amazing at operating on operating games. Yeah. So, can you talk a little bit about SciPlay's history? Because SciPlay is uh, less than three years old, We're publicly listed. Yeah. Um, like, how how does the company get listed so fast? Uh, what happened? Because there must be a huge history be before that. Yeah, there is a huge history. So, you know, the public entity is is three years old, as you said, but. SciPlay and its its fundamentals of who we are, the culture, was actually created in 1998. Um, uh, a group of gentlemen um, put together a business in Cedar Falls, Iowa, mm -hmm. um, to build slots on CD-ROMs <laughs> and sell them to like Targets, WalMarts, Office Maxes, and that was the business. And they, you know they became number one because they built better slot machines than everyone else was. And that had grew the business, grew the business. In 2003, four, we built our first online game. Uh, so this is long before anyone had anything online for slot machines. Um, and it was a multiplayer, but it was very two dimensional, uh, parallaxing screen. And, but that got our, our our hook into understanding there's an online concept where people will play this stuff socially uh and facebook came facebook came you know we built our first game there it took off during this same time a company called wms mm -hmm. which was you know about 20 percent of all the market share of all the slots on casino floors um approached us to uh by us so by phantom and so we were acquired then by wms uh about a year and a half later wms was acquired by scientific games <laughs> then scientific games acquired balance so at this point now it's like almost 31 32 percent of all the slots on the casino floor that arm of the business uh owned um and then our part of the business was taking off and doing so well that we decided it's like it might make more sense to spin us out as a separate public company. And so this is where SciPlay was born. Mm -hmm. So SciPlay is like a, a mixture of all these companies that were bought together. But really at the like its core, it's still the same founder culture mentality. And we've been able to take that from, you know, when I started, I think there were seven employees. And to oh, wow. So from seven to six hundred and three years. No, 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 no. From, from founder to there. Uh, from Cedar so, Falls. Yeah. So since we've gone public, I think. No, okay. Wow. So got it. So it's a, it was yeah. a division inside scientific games. That, Correct. That yeah. Became... We were their social inside of scientific and games. And were you the, the, the guy who raised his hand when they asked who's, who wants to be a, a public CEO of a social casino <laughs> company? 
you know, or did you have to draw a stick? You know, it was like we were sitting there drawing straws and son of a bitch. No, I, I, no, I, when the opportunity came, I was very, very, very excited. Um, you know, we had been running the business with our executive chairman and uh, the founder of the original business as a trio. And um, it was I was the best, I was the right choice, mm-hmm. um, being that where everyone else says Barry was going to stay with Scientific Games, uh, Aaron uh, was ready, not, didn't want to take on that next. And so it just, you know, I'm happy I did it. Um, very, a lot of sleepless nights. Um, but, you know. And some, possibly some privacy changes and things like that. Um, but the world changed so much. Exactly. In, in three or four years, yeah. <laughs> so, so I have to ask you, what's the one best thing about being a CEO of a public gaming, social gaming company? And what is one of the worst things of being? I think the best part is that the entire company and all the workers get to see how we're doing. They mm-hmm. can pull it up, see that stock. They can see the value. Uh, they get to see the headlines of the company that they work for. You really get that brand and that brand is global now where when you're a private company, you're less global. You're normally only in that location. And so like being part of building that, um, building SciPlay, the brand itself and who we are to the world, um, was probably the most gratifying. I mean, that's the thing that keeps my heart beating. Um, the, the hard part is, um, coming from a private company, um, your ability to say what you want and, you know, have more freedoms and acting, um, becomes quite a bit different Mm -hmm. the day you become public. Um, you know, always have to think who's watching, who's listening, (laughs) who's recording. Uh, have I said this publicly? Does, do people know? Um, and it does take a significant amount of brain turning Mm -hmm. to think about your answers sometimes. Um, you know, that's to me the downside and, you know, being able to run as fast as you want when you are private is a benefit. It's also a downfall because you don't get outside investors. You don't get, um, you know, money in that way. But the freedom of being able to run as fast mm-hmm. as you want and break things um, is also better. Um, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, it's been it's been a exciting ride. It's been exciting to evolve the business, evolve the structure, bring in so many amazing employees. Um, but I just love watching the smile on an employee's face when their shirt says SciPlay yeah. and they wear it to the gym, they wear it on an airplane, <laughs> they wear it, they wear it. And it just makes you proud. Yeah. It's like, hey, I helped build that. And Yeah, I, I know. I know that. that I mean, I don't know that feeling, but I know what you're talking about. Um, I, I have to ask how much um, this is a this is something that I was always wondering is I've worked also at a, at a public gaming companies. And sometimes the narrative about how the company is doing is set by the analysts and the stock price and not the realities of the company, like not the day to day, that it doesn't reflect the day to day. And I've, I've been in a situation where people feel extremely happy because the stock price is going up. 
and vice versa, where they, th they feel really bad, even though you would put in your quarterly results, it's better than the last quarter, it's better than the comparable yeah. quarter of the last year, and the stock tanks. And be like, and people are like, oh my God, our company sucks. It's like, no, it, yeah. it doesn't. They just don't believe in the future. <laughs> it's, it's really hard. Like, how do you, how do you deal with that? Because I know that the uh, social casino stocks have been, have been yeah. hit pretty bad. I mean, yeah. SciPlay is not amongst the worst, uh, but some of some have lost half yeah. easily. More than that, More yeah. than that like sixty, seventy percent. So I, I kind of look at it. I, I tried to tell the employees, executives, everything else the same. The only thing you really, really control is the performance mm -hmm. of the business. Um, you really need to keep blinders on when you're looking at the stock. And, and to be honest, it matters when you sell. But if we're all long-term holders because we believe in the business, the market does this mm -hmm. no matter what you do. And if you look at anything in a short term, you'll get frustrated. And so... For us, we're not focused on where is it at today. We're focused on where do we want to be two years from today and how, what do we need to do today to get us there? Yeah. And so I, that's the way I want us to think. And I think it's the way our company has to think. Um, the market's the market. Like right now, you can't, <laughs> the NASDAQ's down 10 some percent yeah. right now, and there's nothing you can do about it there's a war like yeah. it is what it is as far as you know the market goes you know we saw inflation last year that we've never seen and it's been such a lot and that that's going to affect the market and so focus on what you can control and as long as everyone does that and you execute because mm -hmm. don't get me wrong if you don't actually succeed in the numbers and growing then you actually deserve what happened. Um, and so that's, that is the best thing I could give or advice I could give anyone is don't do things for short term. Do not try to write something you have no control over. Mm -hmm. Stick to your strategy, stick to your morals, your values. And yeah, yeah, I understand. It's, uh, it's just hard for people to, to see it that way who don't understand the stock market, like, which is majority of your employees. Yeah. They want that <laughs> linear progression just like in any business. So I'm just thinking like, should you kind of like open up the uh, stock history of Zynga or Glue yeah. and be like, look, they were here, then they were there, and then they were here. <laughs> just like, yeah. And then they ended up here. Everything is yeah. fine. Just <laughs> Once again, you know, look at the, I said, look at the S&P 500 mm -hmm. over time. Yeah. There are times where it's cut in half. Yeah. But it's still at an all-time high that, you know, it still grows. It just, this is why you can't look at some things as short-term investments. And um, hopefully the people that are working for us aren't looking at it as short-term investments. They're looking at it as this is where I want to be the rest of my life. So let's grow this thing over. So regarding that, what makes SciPlay approach to gaming industry unique? Like what makes SciPlay a unique company? I have to start with culture mm -hmm. um, at, at, at just, the fundamental of who we are. Uh, it's about the people. Um, we want to have relationships. We want to, uh, you know, be together. We want to win together. You know, um, one of the mantras or one of the things that we would talk about is whenever we're going to hire someone, it's 51% culture, 49% talent. 
And the meaning of that makes a lot of sense as long as you understand the 49% means a rock star. Mm -hmm. But it means you will not let a bad apple into yours just because they're good at their job. And because of that, we have, we maintain people, we maintain them over time, we're helping develop their career. People make great games and great games provide great entertainment. Great entertainment means that you have the opportunity to have, you know, to get a customer on the back, on the outside, because we're an entertainment company. We love to say games, we love to say games, but the reality is people have so much free time if they open up Facebook, they're not playing your game. They watch a movie, they're not playing your game. We're competing against, we're entertainment. Yeah, news. And so unless you can build entertaining reasons for people to come in, doesn't matter. But it starts with the culture and then builds to the experience for the player. So I think that's our secret sauce more than most companies. I think most companies... You know, I'm a data company that I'm going to monetize every individual. Well, that's that's great. And you'll probably make a lot of money, but it's going to eventually implode because either your people won't be happy or you'll burn people out. Mm. Um, you can have an idea of I'm just going to have people all over the world. And, well, you have no loyalty. And so this is why I think you any company that says we're people first. I think has the chance to be a legacy busy business. Um, doesn't mean you don't do the other stuff and doesn't mean you don't focus on the other stuff, but it should be drowned. Mm. Love it. Um, so tell me, how do you, how do you lead or is, is this the right way to say lead culture? How do you, how do you make sure that the culture that you want SciPlay to have is being executed, not only in the Austin, uh, a studio with what 150 people but yep. with the uh, with the uh, 450 people in in other cities and on other continents yep. you got even a studio here in Finland you got one in yep. Israel so how do you make sure that 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 um that the uh, the high level of the culture is is what you want it to be you lead by example um, and I you can't preach something and not live it um, I believe that I need to be in every studio um, I will spend months in every studio, especially the larger three that have the most employees mm -hmm. every year. Um, and when I'm there, I'm there to serve. I'm not there to be a boss. I'm not there to be the manager. I'm there to serve. Um, and when they ask for help, you give help. When you are around, you strike up conversations. Uh, you also find ways to do things outside of the office because you want to strike bonds. For me, if I can make myself approachable to any person in the company, I know I've done what I'm supposed to do. Because at that point, they will see that I smile, I ask questions, I answer questions, uh, I will go get someone lunch. Uh, we had a company event that was understaffed with bartenders, so I went and bartended for two hours. Um, because it's more important that they got what they want and they were happy and I was able to provide that. And so if I can be a servant, I think. Super. I mean, lead by example, build bonds, stay approachable. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, so let's move on in, in your company scaling. So it has scaled quite rapidly. I mean, for, from, from 400 to 600. 
um, in twenty twenty in twenty twenty one, like last year, there was over hundred new people that joined SciPlay. Yeah. What's the sort of a secret sauce of scaling companies successful then? Oh wow, uh, that is a, the trickiest question of all tricky questions because yeah. it was immensely easier pre COVID. But let's talk about it now post COVID because that's that's the win. Um, onboarding, onboarding, onboarding. And onboarding doesn't mean that you sit down and have a whole bunch of crap sitting at your desk that you get to take home and brag. No, onboarding is you come in and every person on your team comes and introduces themselves, says hi. Uh, different people for the first week or so offer like, hey, do you want to have lunch together? Even if it's over video. Hey, you know, you take your lunch, I'll take mine. Let's sit over video. Let's talk. It's about striking that relationship. Now, don't get me wrong. You still have to have the onboarding, um, the job. But if you do that right, it shouldn't be immensely difficult. Um, what we, you know, most people, 70% of their onboarding is almost the exact same thing. Where do I go? Where do I get code from? Where do I go get files from? Where do I, like, these are the normal questions that get, let's create videos for them. Let's have videos sitting there that explain the, the easy stuff that you just need to know. And then while you're doing that, we supplement the rest with onboarding the culture. Because mm -hmm. that is first boarding the culture. From there, I mean, retention. <laughs> because it doesn't matter how many people you hire if you can't retain the ones that you brought in. Um, I think you have to be very, very fast in making sure that you made a good decision when you did bring someone in. And then recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. But I think recruiting and employee branding are very much like tied together. Um, the difference in our company over the last three years to today, because SciPlay is now becoming more and more known, especially in Austin and Israel, where we no longer have to explain to people what we do when they come in. They're like, wow, I see SciPlay, I see it on a billboard. Hopefully they say, I saw, I saw your CEO on a, yeah. on, on a podcast. <laughs> it gets people excited to come work for your company. Um, and so when they come in, they have that good feeling already. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think it's, there's not a thing you can do. It's like, if you don't on everything right now. Yeah. Onboarding retention and recruitment. So regarding onboarding, I was just thinking about like, I've had the, uh, probably the worst onboarding once. I'm not going to mention the company. <laughs> they worked really hard to, uh, to hire me. But then yeah. uh, when that actually happened, I remember coming to the office and the office was on the other continent. So it wasn't like close by Whoa, and okay. nobody even said hi. Like, like it I would just like, I would come in and like, there were a couple of people that knew that I was coming, but, but pretty much felt like alone, like not yeah. only alone that I was on the other side of the world, but it was, uh, it was really weird. <laughs> so onboarding is super important because that's the yeah. first impression. That's when you meet everybody. That's when you, you want to leave your first day feeling that I can't wait to come back to talk more to all these people. Absolutely. Like a hundred percent. Like, 
you know, they, what do they say? First, first impression is 70% of any relationship. Yeah. It's the same, it's the same thing with where you work. I mean, where you work, you're in a relationship. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is like we spend more of our time with our colleagues, most of us than we do our spouses and our kids. And because eight hours a day, kids are all, kids are yeah. only awake a few hours. Yeah. It, it is what it is. It like, is. <laughs> so if you don't, if you don't work on your side to build that relationship and we can't expect the new person to be the one to facilitate that. Yeah. It has to be on our side. Yeah. How do you, uh, so I understand the recruitment and, and employer branding, those are important parts, but what about retention? Like what are the, uh, the key elements for people retention? Because money is not like you can put in golden hand handcuffs on people, but we know all yeah. those people with golden handcuffs. It's not, you know, they're, they're they have the golden cages. That's not the uh, the best best employee. A hundred percent. Once again, the last two years changed the world again. Mm -hmm. um, the last two years, we went from literally. I could probably name every person in our company, and I probably had shaken every person's hand. To all of a sudden, we have like two hundred people, and I've met in person. 20 of them hmm. um, because traveling like it, everything became more difficult less time in the office so on so yeah. on yeah. and so retention of employees changed now you also have the fact of at home work and if i'm in a work at home and someone just offers me more money i just take it and go because i already have that same work environment anyways um, and so for us, I think it's going to cause, it caused us to change our priorities. Um, some companies are, Hey, if you come work for us, you get three meals a day. If you come work from us, a phone here, we're going to get, I don't believe anyone went to work for items. Like that's not, it's not how I grew up. I don't believe it's the thought when anyone leaves a company, rarely do they say it's because you didn't give me enough food. Um, <laughs> so we're going the opposite way. And we're going to say, we're going to take most of our culture money and we're going to invest it in management training, career development, uh, career path, mentorship. Like we want to create a system that allows people to grow with our company and not sit back and wonder when I'm, when, when am I going to get promoted or what do I need to do? Which means you also have to have like candid feedback and you have to have good loops, um, on reviews. And so where we didn't have to do that as much in the past, because our culture was so great being together, that loyalty mm -hmm. is what drove it. We're, we're shifting because if you've, asked anyone, uh, number one, my number one goal on my board is retention of employees. Yeah. That is number one. It's not revenue. It's not EBITDA. It's retention of employees. And so every, everything I do and every start is, okay, how is this, how is this going to make a difference? And I wish I knew today that a hundred percent it's going to work and let's go. Um, Time's going to tell, but I, I feel like it's the best bet that SciPlay could ever. Yeah. So um, I wanted to ask regarding that because you're so easily accessible as a CEO. Mm -hmm. How do you, do you still in your company, do you still push for work from home or kind of like a hybrid work? Or are you 
are you looking to get everybody back into the offices? Yeah. I, hybrid is absolutely the dream. Um, I, I think the extremes are going to be dead. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, like with that said, two years ago, everyone was in an office five days a week. What happens two years from today? I'm not sure. Um, but what I would say, what I know right now is hybrid is the direction. Um, we believe in hybrid because mm-hmm. of our culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are certain things that we believe you have to be in per- person in order to excel at. Uh, communication. Um, um, you know, the best don't happen during scheduled meetings. The best ideas happen at random times, at random conversations, when someone sees something on a web page, like, and it's hard to do that without being in person. And then last is bonds. Mm-hmm. You, you cannot create a bond with someone just talking to them once a week for an hour over video. That just doesn't happen. And so for those reasons, we believe in order to um, fully invest in our core values, which is what we do as a company, we need to be in the office two to three days a week. And then the other two are remote, you know, work where you want, you know, more individual contributor days is kind of how I think about it. Um, you know, we, we could be productive working from home. I don't, that's, that I'm not doubting, but we wouldn't be side play. And so to me, it's more important to be side play than it is to be. That's a, that's a very, you know, I, I, I very much like how you put it because I feel hundred percent the same way. I, you know, I do that the same in our own company and I haven't, haven't invested in companies that, that are hundred percent remote because it feels like they're yeah. contractors. I mean, it works if you're an, if you're some yeah. kind of a specialist organization, consultants, stuff like that, of course, but if you're yeah. trying to make something together, uh, I, I kind of don't believe in that. And with a hybrid, you have to be on location. You have to be living in Austin or somewhere yeah. nearby Austin so you can come to the office a couple of days a week. Um, regarding retention, yeah, I was 100%. actually, yeah. So with retention, I kind of, I was, I was, uh, I was actually interviewing somebody today and, uh, and I kind of wrote down some of the things about this stuff. Um, what I've found out is, I don't know if you, you find this, uh, that the work as well, but, but, uh, the person mentioned, and many people have mentioned the same thing is like four things that that were really like making them retain. First one was the communication inside the company, uh, meaning that that there's a certain type of communication style that's different with with other people. But uh, but some people prefer very direct communication. Some people prefer others. But but that's you kind of have to find the the company that communicates the way you like. Safety to try. So basically, a, ability to learn new things, ability to fail and trying something new. Ownership. Super important. You you own what you make, and you're not just a clog in the machine. You can actually influence your work. And and uh, and final one was what you mentioned. Uh, you mentioned bonds. She mentioned uh, friendships, uh, yeah. which is like people mention it as an extra, but it's not really. It's actually pretty big because you become a part of a community. It's not a, a plus thing. It's actually one of the most yeah. crucial things because if you work with people who you truly enjoy working with, leaving that place would be extremely sad because you would be yeah. leaving friends. Like, I think everything she said, I, I 100%, yeah. I would, the only thing I would also add is what does the company stand for? Yeah, yeah. I think everything she said is probably my one, two, three, four. And then also, you know, and, and being the CEO, I get to say like, yeah. what am I, who do I stand for? What do I stand for? And so 
I, I almost should change my original <laughs> answer. Like you asked me what the great part is the great, yeah. like I get to make a difference in communities on things that I'm very passionate about. Yeah. And so that, that is the other thing I do think, especially this newer generation that is coming into the workforce. Um, yeah. Yes. With everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes too much difference, but, but I, like not the not every food choice has to has to be about making a difference in the world. Um, so uh, when you're scaling SciPlay, how important it is not only you know like of course focusing on people is super important, but how important is for you to focus on diversification of your portfolio? Because as I said, I assume that. Uh, that social casino is one of the uh, one of one of those genres that are having trouble with uh, with the privacy changes because it's a very whale driven, uh, mm-hmm. not a lot of organics, um, you know, and very, you know, performance marketing is extremely important and, and CPIs yeah. being what they are. So, um, so I'd say it's very very important. Um, not because I don't believe social casino will continue to grow. And I think we're going to continue being a market leader in growth. I have, you know, I, I believe we'll continue beating that market. Um, one, because we develop great games, uh, two, because we run great games, but also because our secret sauce on the, you know, the growth side or the marketing side gives us great returns, which allows us to continue investing. Um, it does make sense to continue to invest in other genres, um, not because we have to, but because I want to grow faster. Um, and I think that's more of the key to it is, you know, I start putting a tentacle out, you know, we bought Elictus, which is an amazing, amazing company. The founders are like, I, I feel like they're my si- like siblings. <laughs> like we've just were cut from the same people. It's amazing. Um, but they have that mentality of go, 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 go. We're going to grow. We're going to do it as a team. We're going to take market share. Um, there are so many genres out that out there like that from puzzle to match three. And the great news is most of them overlap with our player demographic. You know, and I know this because we market on their mm. game. Like, like we're finding customers on Candy Crush. We're finding customers um, in their world, which means we understand how they behave. So if we get as we get into these markets, we believe we can take the learnings. And Social Casino is, I think, years ahead of where the others are and understanding their player. Um, we monetize higher, we convert more people, um, the tenure of the people is longer. Like part of that is because how we treat them inside of our ecosystem. It isn't, you know, when you get it, especially when you get into a lot of people who just want to make games, you know, this is one of the fundamental things I see, um, company goes, builds a game. And as soon as they release that game, they're thinking about their next game. Mm-hmm. Then no. And, and not thinking, well, I just built a business that can be here for 10 years. How do I continue maintaining my customers for those 10 years? And part of that is a company DNA. Part of that is a individual DNA. But Social Casino never went that way. Social Casino was always, I'm going to release this and this is going to be here for 10 years. And so 
that put us so far ahead. Maybe even King did it, right? It put out Candy Crush, it grew so far, and then here comes two, here comes Candy Saga, here comes... And now what they're doing is focusing on the first one because they realize that, wow, we could continue growing this. Like, this is a franchise, like, this is the Walmart of video games. Like, this thing could grow forever. And it's not that you shouldn't build new games, um, but it shouldn't be at the sacrifice of something that could grow today. Otherwise, all you're doing is replacing revenue that's most likely less profitable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you mentioned overlapping audiences and acquisition, and that that's kind of like an important part. And and we've had people from Playtica, and they they've discussed yeah. the same thing. Like it's very important to not only build your portfolio in the sense that you're selling to investors that hey, we're going <laughs> we're going to RPG and we're doing you know midcore yeah. or sports. It's like it's it's much more methodical. You're looking at where your audience is coming from and where you can where you can actually grow your own games by bringing these games into your portfolio. And then, of right. course, the operational skills of acquisition and monetization is, is yeah. bar none. Uh, yeah. We feel like we have a competitive advantage as long mm -hmm. as we stay inside of our demographic. As we start going outside of our demographic, um, it's not that we can't do it, and mm -hmm. it's, we will be successful, but we need to bring in more talent that has experience in that so we can build that muscle mem uh, memory internally also. Perfect. Uh, before I let you go, Josh, uh, what yeah. are the plans for SciPlay for the future? And uh, for listeners, because, because this is a professional podcast, so everybody listening works in games. Uh, yeah. What are your recruiting efforts? Like, who are you looking for in, in the future? Wow. Uh, people. People. I know this is going to sound cheesy, so I'm going <laughs> to just start with it's going to sound cheesy, but I think it makes it. I think okay. it's. Um, I think there's two kinds of people in there. Um, there's a person that wants to learn something and when they decide they want to learn it, they go home, they Google it, they YouTube it, they pick up a book, they go and they teach themselves and they go and they teach themselves and they go. And then there's another type of person that wants to walk into a door and says, what are my check boxes for the next thing? What are my check? What are you going to teach me? And I want the first person. I, I want people that have the drive to make themselves the best they can be. I want to support them in that. I want to help them get it. I want to unlock every door in the world. But unless you have the passion to do it yourself, it doesn't matter what I do. Like, it just doesn't matter. And so, it, you know, we want, mar you know, we want UA, we want growth, we want retention, we want analysts, we want product managers, we want engineers. We're growing everywhere. Mm -hmm. We're growing in, well, no, uh, uh, Finland, we're, we're growing everywhere and we're growing in all, all departments. So I don't think a person is like, I want a behavior. And I think that's what we're doing is we're looking for people that have that hunger and that culture. And, you know, we know once we get them that we can help groom them into greatness. Um, but I think that's that that would be my recruiting pitch. But it would also be my thing to individuals. That's that's how I ended up where I am today. Not because someone said you need to go do this, you need to go do this. It was that looks interesting. I'm going to yeah. go learn. And you know, I went from customer service to CEO. Yeah. So um, I'll, I'm going to put in a link in the description of this podcast with 
open positions at SciPlay, but of course there's uh, probably open applications, so feel free to reach out. Uh, and I do have to say, Josh, that even though you're a public, uh, you're a CEO of a public company, and I've talked to several of those, you're perhaps one of the most open ones, if not the most open one. So, uh, in terms of your your goal of being accessible, uh, yeah. even through this podcast, I think uh, I think you're nailing it. Ah, oh, thank you, thank you very much. I I think it's important to be authentic, and no. like yeah. this is who SciPlay is, and I feel like this is who I am. So. Yeah, but it's also important for listeners to understand who, who haven't worked in public companies that when like there are limitations what you can say, and yes. um, and uh, and it's difficult when when in the back of your mind you have to think about what if if you're saying too much you start start sounding like a politician, so yeah. that, that's a problem. I agree. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, thank you Josh. For Thank you for listening to the whole episode. If you like this podcast, please do leave a comment and share the episode. If you want to access the Deconstructor of Fun community with hundreds of senior games folk, go to our website and apply to the Slack group. And if you want to get notified of all the new content we have coming out every week, do subscribe to the weekly Deconstructor of Fun newsletter. Finally, do remember, we love you guys and we appreciate you guys. Catch you next time.